You are about to listen to my conversation with Tim Moore, who is the principal at Bloomington High School in Bloomington, Illinois. We talked about a ton in this episode, from Tim's childhood and his journey to becoming a principal, to the struggles that many students at BHS face, and the changing culture and future goals for this school. All this, of course, and much, much more. If you enjoy this show and you want to show your support for it, I ask that you please click that share button beneath this video on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube also, like this page on Facebook, follow it on Instagram, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you would like to directly contribute to the show's improvement and production, I would love for you to become a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia, where you'll get early access to each and every episode, as well as some exclusive content for as little as $1 a month. You can also make one-time donations on the Venmo app to The Paul Garcia Show. I'd like to take this chance to thank my current beloved patrons, John the Hebrew Hammer Traub, my good friend Josh Harkey, Greg Sullins, the Metcalfs, Jared Walter, Zach B., Henry Steffen, Shaquille Oatmeal, Alyssa Ricketts, Miranda Noyes, Parker Shilson, Ben Boomshakalaka Traub, Anne and Donnie Bounds. Today's sponsors are Kelly Gerber, a trusted real estate agent in central Illinois, Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury, Forest Edge Tree Service in Livingston County, Fairbury Furniture in Fairbury, and Tri-County Carpet and Flooring, also in Fairbury. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Bloomington High School Principal Tim Moore. Hello and welcome to The Paul Garcia Show, a show about the remarkable people of central Illinois. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I invite you to join me as I speak with these individuals about their stories, the lessons they've learned, and the knowledge they've gained along the way. Tune in every Sunday to witness the power of bringing each new individual's unique journey into the spotlight. Where did you get the inspiration to even go into education in the first place? Yeah, you know, I uh, attended Eastern Illinois University, uh, played football there, and I um, knew all along. I, I was, at first, I was a, an accounting major, and I figured out pretty quick, well, I'm not super, super good at math, so I probably <laughs> shouldn't do that. Then I changed my major to econ, and going into my junior year, I, I started getting nervous because I was like, you know, what am I going to do with this econ degree? And I had no idea when I graduated, you know, what I was going to do, and so all along, I wanted to teach and coach, and so finally going into my junior year, I made the decision of changing my major over to education, um, which the it was the greatest decision I ever made, but I was mm. in school a little bit longer because I pretty much had to start over. I mean, I didn't have any education classes. Right. Um, had a really awesome counselor at Eastern that really helped me kind of map out my, my, my plan, and so I changed my major and um, finished up school at Eastern, and Worked at Champaign Central for two years. Uh, actually, did my student teaching in Decatur, uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. and then um, worked at Champaign Central for a couple of years, and then got to Bloomington. But I just all along I knew I wanted to teach and coach. I had no idea that um, I would be a principal mm-hmm. um, and I would become an administrator. I didn't go into education to do that. I really wanted to be a uh, really be a teacher and a head basketball coach. Is kind of what my goal was. Mm-hmm. And um, once I got to Bloomington and started taking classes at ISU. Um, I started seeing a different, some more opportunities that may open up for me in administration, and that's kind of how I got here. But I, it was not an easy road. I mean, I to change my major at that point in my college career, um, it was absolutely not an 
um, an easy road to get to where I'm at. So I'm very proud of myself for, for sticking with it. I've had a lot of support along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use that with kids all the time about, you know, my path to get here was not easy. They may think it is, think it was, but it, it absolutely was not an easy path to get to where I'm at in my life and, and professionally and personally. So I do want to talk in depth about what that journey specifically yep. was like, the difficulties you faced. But before we get into that, let's go in chronological order. And I'm, I'm very curious, what led to you finding the education world attractive in college? Why, why did you even go that route in the first place? You were yeah. an econ. Mm-hmm. Why'd you make the switch? Well, it, it really came down to me wanting to coach. Like I knew I wasn't going right. to the NFL. I was like, that's not, not going to happen. I really wanted to coach. I, I, all along, I knew that um, there was a part of me that wanted to work with young people. Um, I, I wanted to. I really went into, quite honestly, to, to, as a way for me to coach. Um, and so that's. I once I changed my major, and I really met with, like, say, a counselor at Eastern, uh, Warren Kistner, who actually works at Illinois Wesleyan now. Um, met with him, and he laid out my my. Here's the classes you need to take. Then it, it became in my mind, okay, it's going to take me a little bit longer to get my degree, but I know that. Once I get it, I'll get a job. So it just really started with my desire to work with young people. Um, but I really wanted to coach. I love sports. I grew up playing playing uh, playing sports. I'm, I'm from Indiana originally, so I'm a Hoosier basketball mm-hmm. player. You know, so that that's kind of what my initial goal was was to was to coach basketball. Okay, and teach. So you you mentioned that you're not going to the NFL. You realize that in college, but you said it like it's an obvious thing. I feel like that was a real dream of yours because you're a big guy, yeah. and it's and it's apparent that you're passionate about sports so was that when when did you realize that you probably shouldn't pursue a a professional football career I don't know if you were into basketball Mm -hmm. as well but when when did you realize that you maybe shouldn't pursue that dream and did that hurt at all I just yeah you know it's a great question I had um a couple scouts from Washington Redskins Kansas City Chiefs oh wow it was one other team who came and watched me practice my senior year so I knew that I had a, a there was a chance um, that I might get drafted. I didn't get invited to any workouts. I didn't get make it. I didn't get invited to the combine. So I started. You know, once the season was over, I figured out that I hadn't heard from any other teams. That well, that chance of of making it probably wasn't going to work out. Now I could have continued to work out. I could have continued to pursue that dream. But I just was. It was it was pretty real to me in my mind that okay, that's that's a path that if I'm going to go down, you know, I didn't. I don't have the money to do that. I needed to get a job. I needed to get a college. I needed to graduate from college. And so it really didn't hurt. I mean, I was, I, there's times I look back on it and I talk to my son, uh, both of my, you know, both my, my kids about, man, if I had, you know, mm. if I had done some things different in college, maybe things could have worked out in a different way. Maybe I would have made it to the NFL. Now, I don't have any regrets that I'm not there. They make a lot of money. That'd be kind of cool, right? But um, <laughs> I love what I'm doing and I'm happy where I, where I landed. But it, it didn't necessarily, it didn't hurt. I just, you know, it's one of those things, it's a lesson for that I share with people, like I say, in particular my two kids, about you don't want any regrets. Like, you don't want to look back, I'm 51 years old now, and look back and say, man, when I was 19 or 20, if I had done some things differently, who knows how things would have turned out. I think we all have that in life where, you, you know, you look back, if I could have done some things differently. But at the time, once I realized my playing days were over, I wasn't too disappointed. I, I, I felt like I had a really good high school career, had a really good college career at Eastern, and got opportunities to do things that, you know, got a free education, basically, that I would not have gotten if it were not for my, you know, playing football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Really quick. Don't mind me. I'm going to turn this on. I didn't realize I turned it on. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. <laughs> You'll learn about me. I, I'm a sweater, man. So no, you that's have, why I bring this with me all the time anyway. So. You have no idea. I am a sweater. I have to... 
<laughs> I'll be honest, be a little vulnerable here. I had to get like, um, it's not, it's like a makeup thing that's supposed to like put a dry thing on your face because no I will shine to the point that it's distracting on this show. So. No, so it's all good, man. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I go everywhere with something like this because I sweat like crazy. So it's, it's good, man. I need to start doing that. <laughs> but okay, so really quick, I yeah. want to talk briefly about about sports because you had a real shot to you, to at least play at a high level mm-hmm. of football. And you had goals and legitimate aspirations to play professional football. Right. Do you think that a lot of kids are are maybe ill advised in going and in, in shooting for such a goal like that? Because let's be honest, less than less than one tenth of one percent of kids in high school are ever going to play professional sports. Um, of course, in in the black communities. That is an extremely popular goal for yeah, a lot of kids, sure. and the vast majority are going to get heartbroken at some point in time yeah. when they realize they can't play at that level. So what do you think about that? Are, are these kids, is it okay for kids to have those goals and maybe to pursue them, or would you think to maybe do something else there? Well, I think there's two parts to it for me. I think it's okay for kids to pursue that goal. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be in the NBA. I want to be in Major League Baseball. I want to be a professional football player. I think it's okay to pursue that. I think you got to have a backup plan, though, because, like you said, the the percentage of athletes who make it to the professional level is extremely low. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be extremely talented. You have to be lucky in terms of health. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's it's not a, it's okay for kids to pursue that goal, but I also talk to kids all the time about you got to have a backup plan because mm-hmm. the chances of you making it to the NFL or making it to the NBA, not to say you can't do that, is pretty slim, you know and I think that you know kids see that you know hear kids all the time say I want to I want to I'm going to be a professional athlete and I don't know if they really understand what goes into being a professional athlete and the sacrifices you have to make as a young person and how talented you have to be I mean those guys in the major leagues or whatever professional football are crazy athletic talented gifted people mm-hmm. and again it's not to say that. You know, young people can't get to that point, but I just think that pursuing that goal or that dream is okay. But you've got to have a backup plan because at some point in time, you're not you, you you won't be able to play basketball anymore. You won't be able to play football anymore. So at some point in time, you've got to be able to have something something to fall back on. Right. I, I actually just spoke to a Catholic priest hmm. who quit professional soccer at the height of his career at 25 wow. to become a priest. And one of the things he said was, and he gives talks to kids all the time about this subject says, who are you going to be when you take off the jersey? Because mm-hmm. you will take off the jersey for the last time um, sooner than you think. Absolutely. And a lot of kids' identities are wrapped up in their sports. I can think back to wrestling. I wasn't even that great of a wrestler, but my identity was in wrestling. Absolutely. So when that sport is no longer no longer your ally, meaning that you can't do it at the level that you once could, yeah. it's heartbreaking. It, you can have an identity crisis a lot of the time, I feel. You can, and that's, and that's why I think that having that balance is really important, and that's easier for some kids and harder for others to understand that because, as you said, their identity is so much about athletics. But at some point in time, everybody's career ends, whether it's high school, college, professionally. At some point in time, you can't play those sports anymore. Right. And you mentioned that you went into the education field uh, to largely, primarily maybe, to become a coach. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have to have an education degree to go into coaching or No, you don't have to. I mean, you can we've got coaches right now that are that are non-teachers who are head coaches, but in order to, you know, to to be I wanted to be a teacher also. So that's that's that was going to be my route. But no, we've got coaches at our school right now that don't teach, they work at State Farm or other places and mm-hmm. they also coach for us as well. 
Okay, that makes so sense. So it's not a requirement to have that. It just, you know, if you want to teach and be in the building, obviously you have to be certified to do that. So back to your journey to becoming a principal, what was your first line of work in the education field? And then kind of take me through the steps yeah, that you took to becoming what you are today. Yeah, so I did my student teaching at uh, Stephen Decatur High School. I was a business teacher. Um, once I graduated, I graduated mid-year. So I graduated in December. I was living here at the time um, with my wife at now. Um, and um, I, that spring, after I, stu- after I finished my student teaching and graduated from Eastern, I um, started substitute teaching at Bloomington High School, actually. So I was a substitute teacher for them during that spring year um, and did a, did, just went in every day. They, they actually called me almost every day to come in and sub, and so it gave me a chance to get some really good experience. And then that following fall, I got a job at Champaign Central High School. And so I was a business teacher at Central High School. I also um, was the freshman football coach, actually varsity uh, assistant coach for football, mm. and then I helped with, with basketball as well. So I did that for two years, just teaching and coaching, and got married during that time, and and then um, had to move here to Bloomington. I say had to because it's it's a story. I when I go to ISU sometime to talk to to future teachers, I tell the story about my wife um, <laughs> was driving to and from. She was working at State Farm, and she was driving from from Champaign every day. And mm-hmm. one of the first snowstorms we had after we got married, she's driving over here. She called me in a panic. She had an accident. Well, by the time I got, she got back home to Champaign that night, safely, of course, and she tells me the story. It really wasn't an accident. She's driving down 74, coming here. It's freezing rain in front. Of, you know, freezing rain starts to come down. She panics and pulls her car into a ditch. So she created her own accident. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I knew, okay, I've got to move to, I got to, move to Bloomington because I can't have my wife going back and forth. So a job opened up at Bloomington High School, and um, I, I started teaching. I was a business teacher. For three years at, at, at BHS, um, I was a head freshman football coach for three of those years and was slated to start working with the basketball program because uh, my first two years, actually my first two years, I didn't coach basketball at all. I started coaching my third year. I was a freshman, head freshman basketball coach and then got an opportunity to go into administration and uh, never looked back. I do miss the coaching part of it. But yeah, I just I was a business teacher and and, and a coach. And as I said, my I always joke. John Zabel was our was, was a longtime um, athletic director at Bloomington High School, a really good friend of mine, and um, I interviewed for the head basketball job years ago, and he didn't hire me. Didn't ha- said I didn't have enough experience, and mm. and I joke with him all the time. Like if he had hired me as a head basketball coach, then I may still be doing that because I really love sports. Right. I really love basketball, and you know. But it did, things happen for a reason, and um, I didn't get hired then. And then you know, I was a colleague of his a few years later as an administrator. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right. Things happen for a reason. They do. Absolutely. We are brought to you by Tri-County Carpet and Flooring, Sales and Installation in Fairbury, Illinois. Tri-County Carpet and Flooring in Fairbury is the premier flooring store throughout Livingston, McLean, and Ford counties. From choosing the perfect flooring to measuring an installation, Tri-County ensures top quality products and services. Their trained professionals boast precise measurements, straight cuts, and perfect fits, while their showroom houses a multitude of gorgeous, top-quality, name-brand carpet and flooring options in the latest styles and colors that are durable and long-lasting. With free estimates, design consultation, and contractor and multi-room discounts, 
Tri-County in Fairbury is your one-stop shop for all of your home and business flooring needs. Pay them a visit at 19 Jan Lane in Fairbury, Illinois, right off of Route 24. And give them a call at 815-692-3666. Tri-County Carpet, your flooring paradise. I'm willing to bet that you're still passionate about sports. Oh, I it's am. obvious you are. I am. Do you try to make it to all the football games that you can? And you know, I've been very fortunate. My both of my kids went to Bloomington High School, um, and so yes, I obviously went and watched them play. Um, I still go to all the games. I, I go to most of the football game and football games and basketball games um, because of my other kids' events. My own two kids. Um, sometimes I'd miss events that I you know I couldn't go to because I would I would go watch them compete. Uh, but I, I'm going to try to go, you know, I need to do a better job, I think, actually of going to see volleyball and tennis and, and watching some of these events. And now that my own kids are gone out of the house and me and my wife are what they call empty nesters, I'll have an <laughs> opportunity to, I think, do some of those things. But I try to go to as many sporting events as I can. I mean, I, I love watching sports. I love seeing our kids compete. Um, so I, 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 it's one of those things that free, I've gone to a lot of, over, the, over my time as administrator, I have gone to a lot of basketball and football and sporting events and you know, it's just one of those things. When I look back on my career, it's like I've, I, I wish I had been keeping track of how many different events I've gone to over the years. Yeah. Did, now, this might be totally wrong. And this was, I stumbled across this in my research. Did your son recently sign with a pretty good like football program or something? Well, he's my oldest son, Griffin, uh, is at uh, University of Illinois. Okay. So he's, okay. A, he's a tight end there. He's a junior. He's a redshirt sophomore this year. So it's his third year. Okay. So yeah. So he goes. Uh, he went to. He's at at U of I playing football there. Wow. Yeah. So it's it was pretty cool watching him grow up playing football and all. You know, also he played football, basketball, and baseball, and you know had an opportunity to to, to get a scholarship to Illinois, and he's over there playing right now. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that you know Lovey Smith was the head coach there at the time in Illinois that that, oh, right, that recruited right. Griffin and. When he offered Griffin a scholarship, he did it in my office. Um, they Illinois called and said, hey, we want to come by. And Coach Smith is going to be driving through Bloomington. He wants to stop by and see Griffin. Can he come by? Sure. So he came in my office. We got Griffin out of class, and we we're just sitting there talking. And, you know, he just – Coach Smith says, hey, Griffin, when you graduate, we got a scholarship for you. Oh, and it's just man. kind of a surreal moment. I mean, Lovey Smith is this <laughs> Hall of Fame coach, right, with the Bears. And um, it just was kind of a surreal moment, man. And that was his first scholarship offer, actually. You know, and so we were super excited. And – you know, he doesn't. People don't realize this, but he, when he was younger, we had his room decorated in Illinois colors, and and it wasn't like we said that's the school you're going to go to. But he said, you know, his goal all along was to play football there. So very proud of him, man. He he, as I said, he's he is he's a junior there, and you know, fighting for playing time, and you know, but he's learning some lessons there. I think will will bode him well in life for sure. Man, talk about parenting moments that you will never forget. never forget. That had to be never. Awesome. It was awesome, and actually, he still talks about it. He still says, "You know, I'll never forget that day when Coach Smith came to your office and talked to us." You know, it's just something. Yeah, I'll never forget that. It was pretty cool. Very cool moment. Yep, that's yeah. going to be one of those stories that like a grandpa tells his grandchildren a yeah. hundred times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very proud moment for us for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so when people think of Bloomington High School, well, let me think actually. You look back at the last decade. I went to Prairie Central High School. Okay. We we weren't in the same conference as Bloomington, mm-hmm. but we came to Bloomington all the time for for wrestling tournaments and, yeah. and things like that. For people who have been at least associated with Bloomington in some way for the past decade or so, it, you've undoubtedly noticed this change, this improvement. 
in the school, both culturally as well as structurally. Mm-hmm. Structurally in the football field that is just glorious. Yeah. I don't know exactly when that happened, but it was somewhat recently. And then also a whole fine arts building that's pretty state-of-the-art. Absolutely. And then also, I would say that the culture at Bloomington High School has, there, there's a little more school pride. And I'm not a, I, I haven't dove deep into it, but from what I've seen, mm-hmm. it seems like there's more school pride. There's a little more, little more something. So do you agree with what I just said? Yeah. And if you do, why do you think that is? Yeah, so I, I agree with you 100%. Um, we have, as a district, worked super hard to improve our facilities. Um, so starting with that, um, if you drive past our campus, there's not too many high schools that look like our school. Uh, I don't say that bragging. I say that just very proud of how it looks. Oh, yeah. Our campus, it's always clean. Um, if you come in our school today, you come into our school two weeks from now, a month from now, it will look clean every single day you walk in there. So there's a lot of pride in that, in the facilities itself, and taking good care of them. We, you know, our football field, athletic complex looks the way it does. You're right. We added a, a band room, fine arts, you know, wing addition to our school. So structurally, and we have remodeled pretty much our whole school from inside out. That started probably, oh man, I want to say probably 14, 15 years ago. We we started this project of just slowly remodeling Bloomington High School, and so there's a lot of some structural changes, which which I think our kids are proud of the way our school look, and they actually mm-hmm. take pretty good care of it. Um, and so that's the first thing. And then the other part we've done is we've worked really hard on establishing really good relationships with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so that helps create this culture where kids want to be there. Um, it's not perfect. We have days when we, you know, things we can do better. But I think overall, if you were to come and walk into our school and just stand and observe, for a school as diverse as ours, you know, you don't see the different cliques, you know, this group of kids here, that group of kids there. Naturally, there are kids that kind of hang out together that may be of the same race from the same background. But you don't – we're very fortunate that we don't have those cliques that exist in some schools of our size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it is because of the positive culture that we, we've we really worked hard to create at Bloomington High School. And, you know, we tell people all the time, like I, when I see something, whether good or bad, it's like, hey, you're a Bloomington Raider, and, and that's not how you're supposed to act. You know, and our st- staff talks about that to kids. Mm. Taking, we really st- emphasize taking pride in being a Bloomington Raider, taking pride of going to school here. Um, and I think that just, just that constant message helps. And then the other part is, in this community, there are so many proud alumni of our school. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you see it on, we have a tradition on, like most schools, on Friday, we're purple and gold. And so just being at a, in, out in the community and seeing, you know, alumni or parents of students wearing purple and gold, it just that's how that school pride just kind of kind of carries itself. And and I'll be honest, you know, we um, when I first started at Bloomington High School, the, it was known as the, the nickname was the ghetto school. Right. I'm glad you said that because that's when I'm a when I think back to when I was a really little yeah. kid, that was the stigma yeah. surrounding Bloomington Absolutely. High School. And, and it's and it's one of those things that like. I remember Dr. Nielsen was our, our previous superintendent when he first started. And I don't even remember. I remember we had a chain link fence around our foot, our athletic complex. Mm. Um, it's a white fence you see now. And it had not the actual barbed wire on it, but it had the, the, the post that the barbed wire was on at the top of the fence. Crazy. So his first thing, he's, I'll, I'll never forget him telling the story, was take that down. That just sends a message that your school's, you know, what kind of, is this a prison yard? Is this a, it's not a school. 
So that was kind of the start of of really starting to redo our, our, our the culture or the structure of our school and how it looked. But I laugh when people say it's the you know it, it's it's the ghetto school and we and I'll tell you how we approach that, Paul. We think that we take that on as a challenge. And I tell our kids all the time: if I see two kids, for example, doing something in the community or they've done something, I talk to them, say, "Look," or our staff does. You when people expect you to act a certain way because you go to Bloomington High School. Oh, and you got a Bloomington High School sweatshirt on. And there's a stigma that they don't even realize. Our kids nowadays have no idea that that stigma or that that, that was a title we had of the ghetto school even exists. And um, we take a lot of pride in um, dispelling that rumor and proving people wrong. We do it by, and I say we do it by how our campus looks, by our actions, how we carry ourselves and how, how, how we do things. And that's why, you know, I, I think it's important that we, you know, staff and students do things right all the time. Not that we're perfect, because there's always people out there who think that our school is a certain way. And it's, it's so far from the, uh, being this, this school with all these bad kids in it and they're tearing our school up. I mean, we're so far from that. Now, we have had some challenging students go through Bloomington High School. Oh, I'm Every sure, yeah. But our, that, that perception that people have of our school um, is, is so far from the truth. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. We... We are brought to you by Kelly Gerber, a trusted real estate agent in central Illinois. Do you need a trusted real estate professional to assist you in navigating through the buying or selling process? If you do, remember one name, Kelly Gerber. Kelly is a phenomenal real estate agent for Keeley Real Estate in Fairbury, Illinois. If you're selling, she has premier marketing strategies implemented to assure that your home is circulated to buyers throughout Illinois. If you're buying, she has professional relationships with lenders, title companies, inspectors, and attorneys to alleviate the stress that comes with buying a home. Whether buying or selling, Kelly works hard to ensure that the real estate process is enjoyable and stress-free. It's a seller's market, so the time to call is now. Call Kelly up at 217-390-8205 or send her an email at kelly at keelyrealestate.com to begin your real estate journey today. Member of Mid-Illinois Realtors Association, Illinois Board of Realtors, and the National Association of Realtors. I'll tell you a quick story. We, When I was living in Champaign and came over here to meet with a realtor, don't even remember her name at the time. My wife was working at State Farm. She set up, set me up to come over here and spend the day with this realtor looking at houses for us to move into. And she, the realtor never, initially didn't even ask what I did. Right? She knew my wife worked at State Farm. I think maybe she assumed maybe I did. We were going around looking at houses, and she's showing me all houses in Unit 5. Right? Uh, which, a unit 5, just to which clarify. Is, which is normal school district. So normal west, normal community. That's a separate school district than right. District 87. Okay? Um, and after about an hour with her, we probably looked at two or three houses. Um, she said, Hey, so what do you, and, and during this time before she made us ask me what I did, she was making some certain comments about district 87, you know, it's got really bad schools. They got really bad kids. It's not, you know, the houses in the area in that, in the district aren't, you know, the best, so on and so forth. She finally said, so what do you do? And I said, I work at, I'll be working at Bloomington <laughs> high school. Then she tried to backtrack. At that point, it was too late. So we didn't work with her anymore. But it's just one of those things. That's part of that perception that people have of our school and of our district. That we've worked really hard as a school and a district to overcome um, and prove people wrong. Our school is so far away from this 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 ghetto school that that we once had a tag of. Right, right. It is, and 
I, I think it's fascinating knowing your sports background, how you now then approach issues like changing the stigma at Bloomington High School with the same competitive drive, Absolutely. like the same energy of, of a high-level athlete. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And that's how you should. That's that's the beauty of sports, in my opinion. It really shapes how we approach life and approach challenges, yeah. overcome challenges. It's like you almost get motivated when things are rough and you have a challenge in front of you. Yeah. What a great characteristic to have, yeah, I would say. I, I would totally agree. And, and I think that, you know, as I said, we just... It's just one of those things where we're, it, it, our, we try to drive to our kids, and and again, this this these students don't understand it because they're so young. They had no idea what the work that we have done at our school the last twenty or twenty five years, quite honestly, to mm-hmm. put us in a position to be where we're at. Like I said, the way our campus looks, and then how are the, the kind of the school culture is that exists at, our, at BHS right now. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to any organization, any any high school, it takes a long time to change the culture Absolutely. in the public's eye because there are many more people probably even in the area that went to Bloomington High School mm-hmm. than that do go to Bloomington High School. Mm-hmm. The alumni far outweigh the students that are actually there. Yep. So there could be a lot of people that remember what Bloomington High School was in a negative light and and that's just going to take time. It's going to take until the kids that you've worked with that have been in the new Bloomington High School yeah. to become like distant alumni, I would feel, before the public's perception of Bloomington High School truly changes. Yeah. And I've been there a few times to, well, my girlfriend was a competitive swimmer, okay. and I would drop her off there, and I was just like, this place is beautiful. Is. And I was still <laughs> subconsciously aware yeah. of of the stigma surrounding Bloomington High School. You know, I was like, I, I, I've never said a ghetto school, yeah. but I could see how someone would say exactly yeah. that. And I'm like, this doesn't match up. Not at it was all. like almost uncomfortable. Yeah. It's and like, what the, happened here? And that's a great way to say it. It doesn't match when you you hear that that people have that perception about our school, and then they come to see our school, see it, just drive past it, and then you come into the school, and it's it's not like that whatsoever. So it's it's just one of those things. It's been a it's been a continuous journey, I guess. Um, to prove people wrong, it's something that we we take a lot of pride. Our staff takes a lot of pride in what we do with our students, and and I tell our staff just be continue to be a champion for our school, continue to advocate for our school. When you hear people in the public in your own circles say things about our school, share with them all the good things we're doing because we're doing a lot of good things for our kids, and we know that. But sometimes it you know that's not what people hear out in the public. And you talk about the structural changes you made. It's important to to have nice facilities Absolutely. when able. It's it's a lot like I take a lot of pride in, and I know I'm not dressed nearly as well as you are, <laughs> but when you dress well, it shows the person that you're communicating with that you respect them. Yeah. That's why realtors a lot of the time, I don't know about the realtor you worked with originally, <laughs> but they dress right. up like it shows respect for Absolutely. the person. And when you, when you decide as a school board mm-hmm to spend money on getting nice new facilities, a nice new band room, and a good football field, it shows the students like, hey, we respect you. Absolutely. And then that can make the students kind of stand up taller, take yeah. a little more pride in what they do and in, in, in being from Bloomington High School. Yeah, I've had multiple um, schools, coaches, administrators, when they come to our school, just just rave about our facilities. Like even going into our gym, our, our, our main basketball gym we play in is – architecturally looks pretty cool from the outside. It's been recognized as, as from an architectural standpoint. Um, and then just the environment inside. I mean, it's just one of those things where 
there's so many good things about our school that, you know, that, again, the general public doesn't always see and hear. But those that are within the school knows that it's 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 a really good place to be. And again, but it has not it's it's taken a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of support from a lot of different people to kind of put us in this position. And hopefully we can carry forward, just continue to move forward, um, you know, with our school. So when it comes to the school environment in a cultural in, from a cultural perspective, mm-hmm. was there a game plan from when you first became principal or maybe even before then? to change the culture within the student body because I now know people personally, families that have moved a decent distance to go to Bloomington High School because of this culture that we're speaking about. Mm So how did you initiate the plan of action to change the culture? How do you go about doing that at a school? Well, that's a really good question. So I, one of the things that's super important to me is I are, are people. And so when I first started as principal, that was, I felt like our administrative team really needed to, to focus on building positive relationships with our staff. Not that we didn't have it, but it, it, we needed to get better at it. But then I also talked to our staff about the importance of relationships with kids, relationships with families, because that's how I think you build a positive culture. If you think about a family, your personal family, if they're super close, there are really good relationships between parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. And so what we've tried to do at at BHS is to really emphasize positive relationships. I I tell people all the time, like, if you think back to your favorite teacher, your favorite coach, everybody has one. Now, we've got some that maybe we're not our favorite, but focus on those that, that are favorite coaches, our favorite teachers. I'm willing to bet there was a positive relationship there. I can tell you right now that the people in my life, that educators that I've knew or worked with, that have absolutely influenced my life. And there was a positive relationship there. So the plan, it, it never was like a blueprint of, okay, we're going to do this. And, you know, over time, we want to get to this benchmark because there's really no benchmark for how the positive culture in your building. There's no measurables you can have. But what I say is, I tell people all the time, come into our school and just observe and watch. Mm-hmm. Spend some time in our school and talk to some of our kids and you'll get a, you'll start to understand this positive culture that exists. And it's, it's come with just a constant effort, a constant um, um, thought process of the importance of relationships. Okay, how, how does a teacher or whoever it is, how do they go about actually improving their relationships with their students? Are there specific things that they make an effort to do more of or to do a better job of? Yeah, that's, I, absolutely there's some things they can do. So I think it starts with showing your kids, show your, show your kids that you care. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's kind of cliche-ish, but it, it's one of those things where, like I tell our teachers, particularly our new teachers, our older experienced teachers, they get it right. uh, for the most part. Get to know your students. Take the time every single day to get to know your students, even if it's if it's greeting them at the door as they walk in, if it's going to if they if they play a particular sport or if they're in the drama club and, they, and they're performing, go watch them. But those are things that you can do to, to show that you care by just getting to know your students. Um, right. I also think that teachers can um, if they say they're going to do something, do it. Kids, kids pick up on that, that, you know, if you say you're going to come to this game or you say you're going to meet me after school, you should, you should do that. So that's how you build trust with kids. And that's how you enhance that relationship. Um, 
and then being fair with them. You know, I, fair is not equal, so we don't treat every kid the same at Bloomington High School. Mm-hmm. But man, just be fair to kids. And and what you know, dealing with this this pandemic the last year and a half, mm-hmm. it's taught us even more the importance of relationships with kids because there's they haven't been in school, right? You know, right. so it's it's one of those things where teachers can just their everyday actions with students. Um, I've got a we've got a teacher history teacher one of the probably one of the i'd say one of the top two or three educators i've ever worked with ever been around kids love him families love this guy and he's the kind of guy i'm walking down the hallway the other day he's talking to a student and he says hey mr moore do you know this student and i said no i don't so he introduces to him introduces her to me and he says she's a rock star you need to get to know her and he walks away right mm-hmm. so we're both me and the young lady are both walking up the stairs together and she said to me, she said, you know, he is, Mr. Filarski so nice. And he, now she's a junior. He had her as a freshman. So just that, that's the kind of thing that teach, a lot of our teachers do, where it's like talking to kids, encouraging them that, that, that go a long way when it comes to building relationships with kids. We are brought to you by Forest Edge Tree Service. If you have trees or tree stumps on your property that you want gone, go nowhere else but Livingston County's premier tree service provider, Forest Edge Tree Service. Your yard is no place for looming dead or damaged trees because it's just a matter of time before they come down, ruining your property, ruining your week, and ruining your bank account. This is exactly why you need to be a responsible adult and hire the services of Forest Edge Tree Service. Simply give Joe Rudin a call or text at 815-615-3037 to get a free quote today. Keep your family, pets, vehicles, and neighbors safe and save yourself from a world of headaches when you call or text Forest Edge Tree Service to get those dangerous, looming, troublesome trees off of your property. That's Forest Edge Tree Service, Livingston County's premier tree service provider. You said things when it comes to being you're developing that relationship yeah. with your students that might seem obvious to some listeners. However, you said they were cliché, but they absolutely bear saying because although these seem like things that would be obvious if you're mm-hmm. trying to improve your relationship, a lot of teachers do not do it. I can think back to some teachers that when I walked in, not once would they look up. Yeah. They wouldn't look up Crazy. until like the bell rang yeah. and it was time to start teaching. Yeah. And maybe that they didn't know you by your name, you know? And yeah, I mean, that's that's very important. The things you said are, are great tips to yeah. developing those relationships. I, I think there's this, um, I think we assume that because someone is a teacher, that they get, they fully understand relationships and how to connect with kids. And not all teachers are comfortable doing that, quite honestly. Some teachers are just naturally um, introverted, and so they don't, it's hard for them to step outside of their comfort zone. And and um, and and so I think we assume that because everyone is, is a teacher, or all teachers have that as a skill set, but they don't. And some teachers really right. struggle with, you know, with that part of, of, of the teaching. But that's the most important part is that relationship, for sure. Can you remember a time or a student that really benefited from a solid relationship with a teacher? Because I know friends mm. that had one good relationship with a teacher. Like maybe they were like the outcast type of kid and they had one solid relationship. And they've said that a teacher, because of that relationship, it will saved them yeah. without be putting it too gruesomely. Yeah, sure, sure. You know? Man, there's... Um Yeah, we had a we had a student that um, had some pretty significant health issues when she was when she was in high school, um, 
I think she had a brain tumor, maybe. And oh, holy cow! Yeah, she, she, but she was a, she was living on her own. Oh my god! She gosh. had a kid while she was in high school, and our nurse, a lot of teachers looked out for this kid, right? But our nurse went above and beyond to help her to support her, um, and our nurse, she since has retired, but. I remember this young lady coming back to school. She's a nursing student now. Of course, so she, she came is, yeah. back and visited us, man. And just, just I, I can't tell you how cool it was, and just how good I felt inside that our school helped her get to where she was at. Number one, but number two, this kid didn't quit because it could have been easy for her with her own health issues, with ha- being a single mom, a teenage mom, not a single mom, a teenage mom, and trying to navigate high school. And now she's a nurse. I mean, it just it, it's one of, that's one that I'll never forget. And every time I see her, I just it just makes me feel good inside that again, this young lady didn't quit on herself, but our school absolutely had an impact on her getting to where she's at for sure. Man, okay, that's a great story, yeah, great example good. there. Good, yeah. So you you briefly mentioned earlier that your school and anyone who just enters the school will quickly notice it's very diverse, mm-hmm. both ethnically and economically, absolutely. actually. Why is that a good thing? Apparently, that is a, a very good thing, but maybe you can explain why exactly that is. Well, if you look at our society, it's very diverse, mm-hmm. both um, ethnicity, both financially. So I think our school teaches kids how to navigate life, th- this real world that they're going to be stepping into or that they're part of. Um, so having a school that's, that's, that's culturally diverse is really important to me. I, I wanted my kids to be in a school like that. I love working in a school that's that's super diverse. It gives us a chance to get to know other cultures and other people. It teaches kids to 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 learn to work with, become friends with um, people from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same way with those that have money and those that don't. You know, it's one of those things where it's like the financial. You know, we've got kids. I always say we got kids who parents are members at Bloomington Country Club right across the street from our school. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got kids that are homeless. So there's a wide diversity. Do you really have kids that are at are homeless? Oh, for sure. Well, they're they're considered homeless, and by that, it's a pretty broad definition. But if you've got a kid that's not living with their legal guardian with their family, they could be considered homeless. So we got kids that stay at the at at home sweet home missions. Though we've had family staying there before, so we absolutely have kids that um, that are that are homeless that don't have a lot of the basic things that their classmates have. And so as a school, we try to compensate, compensate is not the right word. We do everything we can to help those students, provide clothes for them, provide food for them. Um, anything we can do to help those kids uh, while they're at school and outside of school, we, we, we take that on and do it. So the, the diversity, back to your question, though, I think it just teaches kids how to, how to navigate this world that we live in that is becoming more and more diverse in so many different ways. Um, and our school represents that. And I just think it's when you walk in our school, I would tell you that at 11 o'clock, if you came to our cafeteria, it's pretty loud, first of all, because there's 500 kids eating. But it's you just look out there and you see kids of all different races and backgrounds sitting together, having lunch, talking, laughing. And it's just it's just a really, really cool thing to see. That That is amazing. Well, okay, first of all, I, I was taken off guard. I didn't realize that you would have students that were homeless. Oh, absolutely. And I've actually spoken to the... Uh, uh, the manager, the main manager of Home Sweet Home yep. Ministries. So I know all about that. Yep. That's incredible. You guys really do go above and beyond for we your do. students. I've I've never heard of yeah. such a thing like that. Yeah, we've got a, we've got teachers that started a, a weekend food program a couple years ago. So every Friday, um, COVID slowed it down a little bit, but 
every Friday, kids could come down at the end of the day and get food for the weekend for their families. And that's mm-hmm. not that's that came because we had teachers that recognized, hey, we got a lot of kids that depend on our school for food, and then they go on the weekends and their family doesn't doesn't have food for them. So we partnered with uh, Midwest Food Bank and um, have a great weekend. It's called a weekend food program. We give kids food to take home on the weekends and just again another that that's earlier you're talking about the culture and climate of our building. That's how you another way you create this positive culture is where. Kids know they can come to our school. They're going to be safe. It's going to be warm or cool, depending on the on the, the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be taken care of. And we're going to we're going to provide anything they need. We're going to do everything we can to get it for them. That's how I think you can um, change the culture you're building in a positive way is by providing that. And something I think is interesting talking about diversity. And I only just now realize this when I look at other schools, um, more rural schools, a lot of the time that are way less diverse. Mm-hmm. I notice a phenomenon where kids, because they're not exposed to all different walks of life, different ethnicities, different religions, different kinds of people mm-hmm. altogether, they they have a lot less tolerance. And mm-hmm. I better watch what I say here so I don't say <laughs> something I don't mean. But no, there, there's more, to put it bluntly, I hear a lot more making fun of vast groups of people that mm-hmm. are simply not at that school. There's more more racist jokes. Sure. There's more there's more just different ways of being intolerable. I get, no, not intolerable. You know what I'm trying to say. They just don't know about these different groups of Absolutely. people that make up a large chunk of society yeah. and they'll make fun of them. Yeah. They'll they won't understand them. They'll be freaked out by these new ideas. So I think that immersing yourself in a more diverse school would probably better equip you to enter the world of business Absolutely. and the world of work where you're going to be thrown into these melting Absolutely. pots. Absolutely. Yeah, I, my my wife is white, all right? And I say that, I sound like I was said it proud. My wife's white. It's not what I mean. <laughs> uh, but here's where I'm going with this, though. My, so my, my, my two sons are biracial kids. My wife's from Effingham, Illinois. There's not a lot of diversity in Effingham, Illinois. Mm-hmm. So in our relationship over the years i've had an opportunity and she's got a huge family i've had an opportunity to 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 be around her family and they've learned a lot of i'm i don't doubt for one minute that they had stereotypes of angie kinkler at the time bringing home this this black man that she was dating and they had certain stereotypes or perceptions about people of color and Mm. i i hope that over time of interacting with me interacting with my our two kids They've learned to be different people and be better people. Because I know I've learned some things from them as well, you know. And so I, I say all that because I do think that, you know, being in a diverse setting absolutely gives you an opportunity to, to be more tolerance, learn tolerance, mm-hmm. and be more accepting of people. And if the school culture itself promotes that, and we love our diversity, we, pre, we, we brag about it. We're one of the most diverse school districts in the state of Illinois. Um, that's something we're proud of. And so we take any student, we don't care where you're from, and, and just and that, because of that, I think it helps gives us this school environment that is extremely positive and extremely welcoming to all families. Yes, and, and it's funny because I'll go to Bloomington uh, more than any other school, like you said, and I'll see these groups of kids walking out that are just, I mean, totally mixed up. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's black kids, Latino kids. Absolutely. Um, I don't normally say Latino. That's the first time I said that. <laughs> I, I, Hispanic kids, whatever, right. yeah. and white kids. And it's just 
totally mixed up. Yes. And I, and the kids, as you said, you learn this tolerance. And the kids, of course, they learn that. Mm-hmm. They're, there's not an ounce of uh, racism or anything else in their body. And y- if you go to these more rural places, I, I think Effingham's a pretty rural place, mm-hmm. right? Yes, it is. You see, you don't quite Absolutely. see it at the same level at all, which yeah. is sad. And, you know, you're making me think about my own life here yeah. because yeah. I always felt growing up in a rural school, I never noticed it. Like, I was like, I, I couldn't care less about different ethnicities hanging out together. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be because my dad is a full Mexican. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like pale Irish white. <laughs> and so I was just, I grew up with that. I'm like, yeah. that's normal for Absolutely. two different ethnicities yeah. to be together. Absolutely is. And <laughs> I apologize. It's like, you're making me look back at my own life here, yeah. but, but anyway, yeah. So diversity is good. Super it's something important. you're proud of. Very proud of, very proud of. And, and you know, my, our school is just it's one of those things where the diversity I think just helps kids uh, have a chance to better understand other people outside of their own family and I think that's important right we are brought to you by Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury Illinois studies show that pizza from Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury is the tastiest pizza to those of us with a properly functioning brain and taste buds don't fight the science Pizza from Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury is spectacular, and not only that, but they also offer a daily happy hour. So if you call between 4 and 5 p.m. and order a pizza, you get the second one of equal or lesser value for free. Restrictions apply. You can even call at 4.45 p.m., order your pizzas, and then pick them up at 8 p.m., and you will still get that happy hour discount. How sweet is that? For the most delicious pizzas around, head nowhere else but Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury, Illinois. Call them up and place your order today at 815-692-4602 and pick it up at 405 East Locust Street in Fairbury. So in terms of student success, from a student success standpoint, how has Bloomington High School been trending? We'll say, well, since you've become principal, because just for clarification, when did you become the principal here? So this is my 15th year as principal. It's my okay. 25th year at Bloomington High School. So in terms of things like test scores, participation in extracurricular extracurricular mm-hmm. activities, things like that, how has Bloomington High School, the student body, been trending? Have they been getting better, or have you had a lot of difficulty? Well, I, I so there's a couple things there. So um, you know, our test scores are there's a there's an uh, an achievement gap at Bloomington High School. Our white students are um, not low-income students outperform our minority students and our low-income students. Mm-hmm. There's an apparent gap there. It's been there as long as I've been there. Now, I don't say that. I'm not proud of that. Um, but that's that's partly of having um, – of any school of our size, there's going to be an achievement gap. I can almost guarantee between white and black, white and Hispanic, um, low-income, not low-income. So our our test scores and things have changed at the state level in terms of you know the standardized tests that you have to take and you know we've got a high percentage of students who go to um, go to Heartland um, we've got a pretty good percentage and I don't know off the top of my head of students who go to four year schools so there's I think when people look at test scores it's that's one measurement of a school um, and and I say our test scores have been average. Um, but we do have more students participating in clubs and activities. I think that's important. We've oh, got, very important. We've yeah. got, um, you know, we, we we start clubs all the time. Example: we had a kid. We had 
two years ago, three years ago, a bread club. <laughs> Kids that like to eat bread and talk about bread. <laughs> Weirdest thing ever, but they want to do it, so we allowed them. So we, we have more opportunities for our kids to get involved, uh, be it extracurriculars, be it sports, um, you know, activities and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's one of those things where our test scores have really kind of flu- – our graduation rate has fluctuated. I mean, they, the state probably seven, eight years ago changed how the graduation rate was calculated. We, t- we went from always being over 90% graduation rate to one year, we're like 72%, 73%. I was like, what's going on at Bloomington High School? Well, the state changed the formula and how, they, how, the, how it was calculated. Now, we've been back up to around 80, anywhere from 85 to 90%, and we can get better. I mean, we, there's things that we need to do more to support our students. Um, but I think it's hard to compare for any school what was done 20 years ago to now because things are so different. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a pandemic we're still navigating. Um, but it, things are so different now and kids are different. And I know people say, well, that shouldn't matter, but it does matter. You know, kids nowadays have way much more to deal with than I ever dealt with as a, as a, as a young person, probably as you dealt with as a young person. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not, I don't use test scores as the only thing that, and for a while, that's how schools were judged. It was like, are you right. making adequate yearly progress? AYP. If you're not, you're on this list of not making AYP and, that kind of fed into that stigma of Bloomington not being a very good school. Right. Um, but we've, we, we overcome that with other things. Academic achievement is super important in our school, and our teachers work extremely hard to educate our students. Um, right. But I, 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 like I said, when I, when I am done at Bloomington High School, I'll be more proud of the culture and climate that exists at our school than I ever will any test scores that, you know, to look back and say we made AYP for 10 straight years. Well, that's great. But your school culture is not very good. Kids kids don't like coming to school. I'll take the culture and climate over anything else every day of the week. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say as analogies to that. Well, first of all, Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, like, you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life thinking it's an idiot, you know? And so these kids that might be excellent in the fine arts, that might have fantastic communication skills, might not be able to pay attention or even care to pay attention yeah. in social studies yeah. or something like Absolutely. that. So it's important, I think, perhaps more important, maybe definitely more important yeah. for these kids to have a good perception of themselves, to be confident in their own skin, and and to have friendship and great relationships, yeah. just like you said. Yeah. While, of course, I know you strive for good test scores yeah. as well. Absolutely. I think that there are other things that are just as, if not more important, even mental health too, which yeah. can be Huge. improved from these relationships that you yeah, speak we of. had a we had a kid um years ago his name was matt curry um he's got his own band now um and if you were to talk to matt he probably would tell you he did not like high school very much at all because he knew he was going to pursue this dream of being a musician and starting his own band and um he struggled to get through high school and it wasn't because he wasn't smart but this kid was performing with his dad at the time um as part of his own band and so he missed school a lot and I remember having a conversation with our assistant principal about him. Like, look, man, this kid, not that school's not important to him, but he's not planning on going. To, he's going to start his own band. He's a talented musician. And, and he did. He graduated from Bloomington High School. He's got his own band. He's performing. My point of saying all that is, like, I think there are, while academic achievement is really important, I also think schools are obligated to help kids find that niche and then help them pursue their dreams as much as we can. Help them get through high school. You know, not everybody goes to college, 
Um, and so helping kids figure out what they want to do and then helping them pursue that is, a, is another obligation we have as a school that I think sometimes gets lost, quite mm-hmm. honestly. I want to touch on something that is a little bit touchy, and that's sure. you said the gaps between different ethnicities mm-hmm. in in test scores and success in school. One of the biggest predictors, and I know this personally, of how well you're going to perform in school and the academic from an academic standpoint is, well, your parents. First of all, if you have two parents, that helps. Uh, tremendously Absolutely. with how you're going to perform in school and of course you can look across different ethnicities you know white families i mean the parents stay together uh in the black community it is they they separate a lot more or more so there's more single motherhood mm-hmm. and i believe the same is true in the hispanic community mm-hmm. do you ever talk about that do, do you think it's important in society that if you can the parents stay together. That's a really loaded question. I understand as I'm saying it. Do you ever talk about that? I guess with students. Well, it's it's not. So I don't really dive into, you know, a, a student's family structure in terms of one single parent. You know, two parents at home. Um, I'm a product of a single mom, and and I tell people she's as tough as they came, and right. you know, me and my brothers are very lucky to have that. Um, so I, I think that it's it's one of those things that I can, from that perspective, can share with students. Like, don't use it as an excuse. Like, if you've got right, right. you've got one parent at home, and in my case, I had a, a mother who was no nonsense, in no way. I mean, everything was your grades are up, or you don't play sports. It was that simple, right? And um, and 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 held us accountable for everything we did, and taught us some of those things that I think. Um, you know, help me and my brothers as we got older. But I'm saying that because not all kids have that. Now, there are a ton of single parents, students at our school who are being raised by a single mom or single dad. And their parents are, if something happens that their kids get in trouble, they're up there at that school to support us because they don't want their kid to come to school. So what I'm saying is this, is that I think that um, I talk to kids all the time when I have an opportunity about, you know, whatever your home structure is, don't let that derail what you want to do. We can support you and we can help you because sometimes they don't have a supportive parent at home. You know, so that's where the school steps in. That's where teachers step in to try to help them. Um, so it's really one of those things where I don't I, I try not to I don't want students to use that as an excuse mm-hmm. that, that because I only have one. I live with my mom or I live with my dad or I live with my brother that that's going to keep me from getting to where I want to go in life. It's going to be hard for you, but mm-hmm. I really, I, I don't want them to use it as an excuse of why they can't do something is because, you know, I only, I have a single mom at home. Right. Well, that's incredible. Actually. I, I had no idea that was the way that you grew up Yeah, absolutely. because I mean, that's a success, a success story, absolutely. but you don't want it to come off as I beat the odds. Although literally you did yep. overcome the odds because single motherhood's actually the single biggest predictor if you look at a vast swath of people and you want to have your best guess at who's going to grow up and live a life of poverty, mm. you look at how many have are being raised by single moms. Mm. And I mean, she's doing the work of two dif- of, of mother and a father. Absolutely. You, you look at kids that are raised by one parent, actually by one by a single mother, rates of diagnosis of ADD go through the roof. Mm-hmm. It's because they're lacking like half of that structure that like enforce a lot of times it's usually the dad. It's like do your homework, right. plain and simple, get right. that done. Right. 
it's incredible that your mom did both and she did, did them well them. because you you're doing very well she for did. yourself. She, she she was the get your homework done or and for me it was sports. I mean, I loved playing sports when I was growing up and you know, it's like you either keep your grades up or you don't play, you know. And so, yeah, she was she was an integral part for me and my two brothers um to get to where we're at in life right now and and just and she played that role of the disciplinarian. She had to be loving. She had to provide for us. Wow. You know, my friends used to come to our house and 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 eat at our house and hang out. And you know, it's just she she made sure that we had things. And it wasn't a bunch of material things, but as a, I, I lived that, I grew up with a single mom. So when I hear, if I know there's a kid that's struggling with some things, um, I, I I wanted I can I feel like that's an area that I can relate to kids because I've lived through that for sure, and uh, I've been very fortunate to be where I'm at. But it, it started with. A, a pretty solid structure at home as well. So that's important. If right. more students have it, I think the better chances they have. And you talk about relationships. You growing up in that way, that probably has to help you a ton in relating with kids that either complain or just simply grow up in a similar circumstance, yeah. right? It's like, hey, look, not an excuse. Yeah. I grew up exactly like you did. Yeah, and absolutely. You, you have to take a level of personal responsibility, right? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, whether it was my upbringing, whether it was my path to get through college, which wasn't easy. Um, yeah, I, I think kids, I, I think people assume that because I'm, I'm a principal that I've had this easy path to get to where I'm at. It, it has not been easy. Um, and there's been some bumps in the road. That's kind of how life is. And so, yeah, I try to use my, my own um, shortcomings, my own stories, my own things, experiences I've had to try to help kids and even help some adults at times if I can. You know, to, to, to continue to move forward, um, which is not always an easy thing to do. Right. Every difficulty that you face and overcome is just wisdom in the bank Absolutely. and that you're going to use to help other people. Absolutely. Can I ask what maybe was one of the bumps, just one of the bumps on along your journey to becoming principal? Because I, I love college those... or, or, or in my teaching. <laughs> um, Whichever you think is is more I'll, yeah, applicable I'll, yeah, that I'll kids could learn the, from. I'll tell you the biggest hurdle that I think I overcame was I. We are brought to you by Fairberry Furniture. Fairberry Furniture is the area's favorite furniture store. Their selection is huge. Their staff is helpful and friendly, and they have all of your favorite brands of mattresses, tables, chairs, recliners, couches, and basically all furniture items. So make your home comfy, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairberry's own Fairberry Furniture. I'll tell you the biggest hurdle that I think I overcame was I, when I got to Eastern, I wasn't a very strong student. And I and I and I say that because I for the first time I was away from my mom, so I didn't have her saying, "Hey, Timmy's, what you call me? Get up, get up, it's time to go to school." Mm-hmm. So I I didn't take school very serious when I was at Eastern. Initially I didn't. And then um changing my major. I mean, I was literally 3 semesters away from graduating with an econ degree and pretty much started over. So what happened was, you know, I was at school another 2 years. So I was at Eastern 6 years. Which is like people used to be like, man, you're still in school. And they come back for homecoming. <laughs> Tim, you're still here, you know, kind of thing. But so overcoming that and 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 keeping focused on what the outcome was I wanted to be, um, that's probably the biggest bump that I think for, that one of the biggest hurdles I had to I really had to overcome because there were times I questioned, Am I doing the right thing, man? Like I'm still at school. Am I gonna get a job when I graduate? You know, what's going to happen, you know, and I had to at that point, my scholarship was over. So I was getting financial aid and, you know, trying to pay for school that way. And 
I, I, there were times I doubted if I was making the right decision. And I remember um, my first uh, student teaching experience um, made me think, okay, I made the right decision. And then the first job fair I went to um, at Eastern, I had three job offers when I walked out of there. And that solidified, okay, now you made the right decision. But there was mm-hmm. that was absolutely probably one of the toughest things that I had to had to kind of overcome was just that whole idea of changing my major late in my career, I mean, my high school, my college career, and basically starting over as a student. You know, was, was tough to overcome. So you definitely had you were questioning yourself if you made the right decision absolutely. all the time in college. Absolutely. absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is from Steve Jobs, the CEO, owner, founder of Apple. Mm-hmm. He said at his Stanford commencement speech, something that I just love, and it's pertaining to pursuing a career path. You have to trust, you have to trust that the dots are going to connect. You can't see how they connect looking forward. You can only see how they connected looking backwards. Mm -hmm. So you have to do the right things and trust that the dots will connect down the road. And I tell you what, if you, yeah, if you work hard and you do the right things, the morally right things, just work hard they probably will connect. Yeah. You know, and that's what I try to instill in my, you know, my my two kids, um, young men now, they're not kids, but <laughs> it's just that that whole thing, you know, they, their their path hasn't been super easy. People think because your dad's a principal at the high school that it's an easy, they get they it's an easy path for them. It absolutely has it was not easy for either one of my boys when they went to Bloomington High School. So those are things that I try to teach them as they go on, as they get older in life to just, you know, don't give up and you know you're going to have things are going not going to go your way and then how do you respond to that is really important oh yeah hugely important yeah Yeah, because life will try to break you a lot of the time (laughs) absolutely will absolutely will so what was i going to ask okay so any high school that has multiple assistant principals i came from a small school you you have three assistant principals you guys have got to be pretty darn busy so I want to ask what what actually occupies most of your time? How do you spend your day as a principal at BHS? Um, well, it depends on now. It's it's literally been um, and, and it's not fair to use these last couple of years as a, as a barometer or as as an example. But right now, I literally have spent the beginning of this year dealing with with COVID situations um, mm-hmm. where there's close contacts and that kind of stuff. But typically, um, in, a, in a typical year, you know, I spend a lot of time. Um, whether it's responding to emails, responding to phone calls, whether it's with parents, um, people from the community, um, working with teachers. Um, you know, I've, I've got obviously an administrative team that I've got to supervise and, and help them. So I spend a lot of time t- working with people. And that's what I like about my job is that it's all about that connection with people and being able to – because I feel like if there's a parent that's upset, there's a teacher that's upset – um, I feel like I can work with them and work through whatever the situation is so we get to a better place. And that's that's the, that's part of my job I really like. I don't like dealing with some of the issues we have to deal with, but mm-hmm. I do think that opportunity to connect with people. So this job allows me to do that. So I spend a lot of time um, interacting with people um, and, and, and a lot of times putting out fires. I mean, I when something happens, mm-hmm. people, I'm the first someone to call and say, hey, Tim, Hey, Mr. Moore, this is going on. What do we want? You know, what do we do? Um, and so I just, I, I, a typical day for, there's no typical day. That's kind of what part of the reason I love what I do because every single day is different. Um, 
but it's just a, a lot of time. I spent a lot of time working with people, and and a lot of times trying to do things to, to improve the overall school. Mm-hmm. One thing I have heard about you from a parent at BHS mm-hmm. is that you are compassionate, you're kind, and you really build these relationships, but you are stern and even in- intimidating when you need to be. You talk about putting out fires. I feel like you're pretty effective maybe at, at doing that. You know, man, it's funny you say that, this whole intimidation thing. I, I, that's not, I try not to be that way, but I've noticed that I'm not a, uh, I'm not a small individual. And so sometimes I do have to think about how I approach people. Um, that's, 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 uh, for real. I mean, I have to, I think about whether it's a student, whether it's a parent, um, I, I'm, I'm very conscious of my, my space and not getting too close to people because that can be intimidating. Right. Um, and so I just have, and then, and then there, there's also the, the race part to that as well. There's, you know, being a large black man, um, some people are naturally intimidated by that some people are naturally not sure how to how to respond to that that's a that's a that's a legitimate um thing that i have to think about um and again i i i I, knowing that about myself knowing who i am um i always try to be compassionate when i talk to people even in 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 tough situations um and so the last thing i want to be is intimidating to people Uh, but i think some people naturally are um, when they see me, they don't even know me. They sometimes think have a certain perception of who I am. Sometimes how I look. Then once they get to know me, like, oh man, he's he's not like that at all. Kind of thing. Right. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, you seem to be very aware mm-hmm. of of these facts. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You also seemed very understanding when you said that. You know, I am a large black man. Yeah. That might be intimidating to people. Is that just that kind of a, a matter of fact for you? Well, just, it's just, like, a, it's I understand. Just, I just think that's just, you know, I don't know if I, it's fair to say that's how society is. Hmm. But I think that that's, a, that's um, we live in this day and age where I think that, I think that people are um, more accepting of, of other races and other cultures. I do firmly believe that. Oh, yeah. But absolutely, there's a, there's a I have to be mindful of how I approach people. And sometimes it's probably more size than it is the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if, if I'm talking to a kid, and I've even had black kids say this to me, like if I get too close to them, they be, hey man, back up, you know, because that that personal space. Right. So I've learned over time that I don't, I can talk to a kid without having to get real close to them. Um, if I've got a good relationship with kids, and I, you know, some kids I know, especially when my boys were in school, that I just knew from friends with them. You know, I could, I could, I could talk to them a little different than I could other kids, but I'm very mindful of when I approach someone um, being careful with that because I don't want to. If they are um, fearful, if they are scared, I, I want to knock that barrier down right away because I told our staff at the start of the year, man, I, I, I may look sometimes like I'm mad or you know serious, and I'm not. I, I, I don't get mad very often. I told our staff I ain't fighting anybody. Right. You know? <laughs> People think I have this this mean perception, and I'm not I mean the way I carry myself sometimes. And I'm I'm the total opposite of that. Yeah. Well, very interesting, huh? Yeah. Like I said, you seem very aware of all that Absolutely. stuff. So very Absolutely. interesting. And okay, I have not been involved. I haven't been directly involved in high school education or okay. administration. But one thing I've learned because I've talked to tons of teachers mm-hmm. and e- principals, even on this show. I've learned that in your line of work, parents can actually be very 
aggressive. And we're kind of getting towards the end of this conversation. So I want to hit you with one of these, this dicey question maybe. So parents can be really aggressive towards administration. You know, sometimes there's mama bears that are very adamant about letting you know that they are not approving of the way that maybe the the teachers are teaching, Mm -hmm. the administration is administrating. Right, right. What, and I want to ask this just to show people that you are aware Mm -hmm. of what parents are thinking and saying right now. What is maybe one of the most highly contested issues that comes up maybe at student board meetings? One of the biggest challenges in in parent-teacher relations that you are facing as Bloomington High School. Yeah, well, I, you know, if you're talking about the di- our district, our board meeting, so I don't, I don't right. go to those unless it's quite honestly that there's something pertaining directly to, to our school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, if you asked me this question ten years ago, I probably would have answered differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now, um, and I've mentioned it a couple times, COVID has really this last year and a half has really made people, um, I think, act different than they normally would. And with good reason, because it's this this pandemic and there's different sides of people believe different, you know, different sides of it. So I think that probably the biggest thing that we see is there's times when something happens in our school um, that involves that parents have to get involved in. I really think they're just they want to make sure that we're treating our kids fairly. They want right. to make sure that we are not being biased or racist, whatever, against their, their kids. So we. I spend a lot of time trying to work through that with families of all colors, of all of all backgrounds, because I do think there are times that te- parents do get really upset about something that's happened to their kid, and of course the natural reaction, as I would with my kids, is, is be protective, and I totally understand that. So I, to answer your question, what's the biggest, the hottest topic? I think COVID right now has been the hottest topic. Obviously, I do think that you know prior to that. Um, there's, there's people that are upset about, um, you know, critical race theory and, and is that being taught? Um, there's been teachers, parents that have challenged some of the things we're teaching in school. Um, if you go back to our school was closed in spring of 2020, but that's when this country was exploding with racial issues, man. And, right. you know, I often wonder like, what would our school have been like if we were open at that time? <laughs> you know, because I, because I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what our kids, I think we could have worked through situations with our kids, oh, right, but right. it would have been pretty, it would have been a pretty interesting um, um, situations to work through as this country was just exploding um, and with, with different things. And, and then as a school, we're bringing all these kids into our school. And so, it's just it's just one of those things where I think that again, parents to me are I get what they're <clears throat> excuse me when they're upset they're just there to protect their kid that's all they want to make they want to make sure we're not we're, we're we're treating their kid with respect and that they feel like they deserve and sometimes it takes us a while to work through those things but we but we work very hard to to make sure that that you know kids feel safe and feel welcomed and the parents do as well right again your level of understanding and awareness is is pretty darn good that's probably what makes you such a good principal and i have a lot of respect and compassion even for teachers and administrators in the high school setting because basically every decision you make you cannot please everyone you're going to really upset nearly half of parents and they will let you know and if you went ahead and made the other decision 
you would make half of parents yeah. really mad and they would let you know. It's it's so interesting and I've, it's a I've tough got spot. A, I've got a really um, easy um, process I go through with that though. And I tell any our staff, I'll tell parents this, we'll do anything to help kids. And the decisions we make are going to be kid friendly. They're going to if it's something that's good for kids, we're going to, we're in the business of helping kids. So if what we're going to, if if a decision if it comes down to helping a kid or help or making the adults happy, then I'm sorry, the adults are not going to be happy because mm-hmm. we're going to do what's right for kids. And so I've always kind of um, kept that in the back of my mind, and because I think that's what's what's super important. Awesome, awesome. And we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up in just yeah. one second. Yeah. I just want to ask, what goals then do you have? For the school, the high school, Bloomington High School, that you want to accomplish before you leave, because you've been there, you haven't been there too long, really. You're still a young man, so you have plenty of time. What kind of goals do you have? Yeah. Um, so I, I, um, a couple things. I've I've been in BHS for 25 years. Um, I've got about seven years before I retire. Okay. Um, oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm getting, getting close. I got a ways to go, but I'm getting well, close. Well, you look fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, um, I, I want, uh, you know, over the next seven years, if I, if I were to stay at Bloomington High School, is to continue to make it a place that's accepting of everybody that walks in our door. It goes back to that relationship piece. Um, it goes back to um, creating the school environment where kids feel valued. They feel welcomed. They want to be there. Um I've always said that, you know, I've been pretty fortunate to be at, at, at two schools in my career. Um, I, when I first started as principal, someone said, I remember one of my first staff meetings, they said, hey, principals have kind of come and gone at Bloomington High School, right? There's been a lot of turnover. And why can we expect you to stick around? And I said, well, first of all, I want to be here when my kids graduate. That was a goal of mine for Griffin to graduate from Bloomington High School. My youngest son's at a prep school in Ohio, so he didn't get a chance to. Um, but that was my goal, was, was to be here until they graduated. So I'm saying that because I want to make sure that in my last years at BHS that I'm able to continue to create this culture where kids feel valued, respected, and it's just an overall good school. And again, it may not come out in test scores. It may not come in, you know, in the number of students and National Merit Scholar finalists and all the, all those good things. But it's just a place when kids come to school, they have a great experience and they leave there. And then they're like, man, I look back and say, man, that's the best four years of my life. That's what I kind of want to continue to try to work towards uh, for Bloomington High School as my career slowly winds down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, man, awesome. The, the Bloomington High School is in good hands. The future is looking bright. You've done some great things. Everyone, No one can deny that Bloomington High School is on the rise. It's just improving every single year. Even, I mean, I don't know how COVID really truly affected the high school, but mm-hmm. it's still the trend. It's trending upwards. As I said, the future is in great hands. Tim Moore, thank you so much for your time thanks today. It's me. been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've enjoyed it as well, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap, man. All right, man.
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Paul Garcia Show. If you enjoy this show and you want to support it, please consider donating a couple of bucks on Venmo to The Paul Garcia Show. Additionally, you can also support the show's production on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia, where for as little as $1 a month, you'll gain early access to each and every episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe to The Paul Garcia Show on YouTube, follow it on Instagram, like it on Facebook, and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, thank you for tuning in to The Paul Garcia Show. God bless and have a great week.